Welcome to a brand new episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Co-hosts Amanda Ware, our Christmas queen and founder of Hello Holidays, and Dr. Carol Osborne, our multi-venture guru, are ready to sit down and share their stories, insights, and wisdom to inspire aspiring trailblazers like you who are gearing up to start your own business, seeking personal growth, or looking for that spark to set your soul ablaze. Kara, one of the biggest questions I get is how do I do the next right thing? So with, we talk about upper limits a lot. We talk about people wanting to start a business or starting something new or even just starting a new hobby. If someone's like, oh, I've always thought I wanted to paint, but I'm not a painter. I have no artistic ability. And, or I wanted to start a business, but that's just too hard. Tell me what you would say, okay, if they wanted to take baby steps, what would be a first of the few like mental blocks they need to get through? And how did you do that with Blazing Brooks? That is a great story to talk about using how you did that. So I think there's a thing about just starting. So um, one of the tools that we teach in human-centered design is um, prototyping or minimum viable product. So we've, we've said before, but I'll say again, you know, this Mark Zuckerberg quote of don't let perfect be the enemy of good. It's really just about starting. So I think our perfectionist tendencies as a culture, we can get stuck in this uh, idea of like, I need to have it all figured out before I do step one. And in some ways, that's the exact opposite of what you have to do to um, start a business. You have to just start, you have to just go and figure it out and be willing to fail and be willing to iterate. So. Uh, minimum viable product, MVP, means what is the uh, most basic version, or you can think of it as prototyping, but what's the most basic version of my offering that I can come up with and reasonably charge people money for it and get feedback, right? So um, for Blazing Brooks, you know, uh, starting with mock-ups of the bottle and having different versions of the bottle having different versions of the packaging that I put in front of a handful of close friends and family just to see what their reactions were. People that I knew wouldn't spare my feelings. Mm -hmm. People that I knew weren't going to just tell me what I wanted to hear. Um, and just not letting anybody tell you that it's impossible, right? So if I had listened to all the people who were like, oh, start a new, a new bourbon brand, a new liquor brand, that's that's a lot hard road to hoe that, you know, there's they know there's so many and it never works and it's going to take forever. You know, there are all kinds of reasons to not do something. So once you've decided you're going to do it, you have to kind of tune all of that out and just keep going. And I think you can get overwhelmed if you think about all the steps. So just figure out the next step. So if you take the visual of like, standing on one side of the river and trying to make your way to the other side of the river. If you stand there and think through every single rock you've got to step on to get all the way across the river, you're probably never going to leave the bank. But if you can just get to the next rock, and then once you're on that rock, pick the next rock. 
And yeah, you've got to have some idea that there are enough places to step to get across, but maybe you get three quarters of the way and then you swim, but there's a way, you know, and don't let not knowing every step keep you from starting. So there's another concept called the flywheel, and, you know, this comes from the work of Jim Collins, who is the author of Beyond Entrepreneurship, now 2.0, but the idea of the flywheel is that momentum builds, right? And so continuing to add energy into an already moving object, you don't have to overcome inertia. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest. So as you start just doing the next thing, any problem gets more solvable as you just take, uh, some people call it inspired action, but action that you know, creates that momentum or adds to that momentum. Yeah, the flywheel is so good. It could, it, it's, understanding the flywheel, which you taught me, I did read Good to Great by Jim Collins, but of course I did not understand it as well as, you know, as I need to read it again. But the fly, when you helped me with the flywheel, man, that felt like I took a look, good load off because if I'm just keeping the momentum, like new, doing the next step, it doesn't make it so exhausting looking doesn't look so hard the whole river that's a really great way of looking at it because you are every, sometimes you are going to stop slip on that rock and fall but knowing you can fail has been really freeing and makes it more fun can you tell me why so many people like i'm around people who are scared to death to fail why are people afraid of messing up what is happening what what are some factors that make people afraid of making mistakes or failing or it not working what what are those upper limits I think we have a tendency to disasterize and catastrophize in American culture, meaning a mistake is almost irrecoverable. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, but like, oh, everything is horrible and miserable because one little setback happened. And that idea of like, um, if it's not working right away it's not gonna work and that's just not true like most things that work over time were an iterative process you don't get it right on the first draft but i think lots of things test taking um I, I just don't think we have very much patience for learning curves we don't have a beginner's mindset you know in buddhist culture they talk about cultivating a beginner's mind but you know if you're brand new at anything you're gonna have to make a lot of mistakes to get any better and we start kids in sports so young now and if you i mean for me it was a really conscious decision when i decided to learn to fly to learn something new that i wasn't going to be good at that I was gonna have to actually go through an intense learning curve. If you think about it, as adults, we really don't have a reason or an opportunity to do that very often. People don't pick up new subject matter, or new careers, or new disciplines late in life. We're sort of patterned to think that whatever you choose at 20 years old is it, that's what you're gonna do, and like, you can, you can hear people when it comes up of like, um, well, maybe I'll go back to school. It's like the collective groan in the room of like, oh, I can't imagine going back to school. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
the idea of, oh, I survived that and got past it, so I never want to have to do it again. Oh, yeah. That's such an interesting thing. We were, I was talking to Chad about that this weekend. It's just the idea of being a lifelong learner is something that is just imprinted in me. That's why I wanted to be a teacher is because I wanted to teach that learning is fun. I'm not the fastest learner. I'm not going to learn it the first time, but I am a continual learner, as are you. It's one common thing that makes you and I really um, mesh well is that we both do love learning because I think school messes people up to think that that's what learning looks like, and that's really not the case. Yeah, and I think you have to get past maybe even more than fear of failure. People have a fear of judgment. People are so afraid to be judged that they are paralyzed. Oh, gosh, Kara, because we judge ourselves harsher than we judge anyone else. I can say that I come from a, I used to be very judgy, and I was thinking everybody else was judgy. Like that, you know, that projection and that is it. And that did keep me from doing things. And it was why I was afraid to tell people about Hello Holidays. Is that a fear of their perception of me and they could be right. Or now I'm like, well, you could be wrong. But before it was like, they're probably right. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is how do we help, you know, Abby and her roommates. How do we help our kids and Really, anybody, how do we help each other understand that, you know, your own perception and valuation of your intentions and your actions and your own worth are so much more important than what someone else thinks. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that there aren't people whose opinions I very much listen to and value. I do. And at the end of the day, you know, we should all trust ourselves more than we trust mm -hmm. anybody else, meaning, you know, trusting your own ability and your own worth. And somehow we've lost that along mm -hmm. the way. People don't trust themselves. Mm -mm. We have, and, I, and everyone, I don't know one person that doesn't know, say that social media has become a, is a moral crisis, right? Like we talk about social media being a moral crisis yet we can't get off of it. That's something else I think that's caused the judgment because we see how everyone thinks about the world. We see it and so we know that it's a negative or it's whatever and I think that makes it harder to go try new things when it can easily be on the internet for everyone to see. That feels exposed. And that just brings it back to the, you know, sort of initial point of prototyping and minimum viable product and just doing, doing really anything, like just push go is uh, you have that fear until it happens, you survive it, it wasn't really that bad. Totally. And it gets easier <laughs> every single time. True. You know, so... Same thing with failure. How does failure get easier? Well, you practice. Yeah. You fail. You figure out that you survived it. You find ways to do better next mm -hmm. time. And then that defensiveness or that anxiety really does kind of, it's not that it ever totally goes away, but it does drop off of if you sort of just look back and are able to evaluate your own experience of like, we can survive embarrassment, mm -hmm. we can survive judgment, we can survive uncomfortable emotions. You know, uh, I read somewhere recently, I wish I had somebody to attribute it to, but like 
the quote worst things that can happen to you are just feelings. That's just, I've said that. Actually, I know who said it, Brianna Weist. She wrote 101 essays that changed the way you think, and that was one of her comments. I must have said that to you. It makes me so happy that you remembered that quote. They're just feelings. They're just feelings. The worst thing that can happen to you is a feeling. She says that, and it is true. And so I think we do a lot of running from feelings, and the fear of failure and embarrassment are so hard. Kids don't like to be embarrassed. You see it. Adults are the same way. If you can get, and I, I do this, I'm like, I'm going to probably be embarrassed, and I've been embarrassed enough times. In college, my friends and I would trip on purpose. Like, we're so dumb. We, like, the fear of embarrassment is a thing, and not being afraid of that is really freeing for people like me. And the only way to do any of it is to just start. Just start. Let's start. First Take step, action. priorities. Can you talk about, because fives are really good at setting priorities, can you talk about how you set priorities when, um, yeah. when yeah. you're trying to pick something to do? Um, it almost doesn't matter because you just need to pick one. But if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any priorities, you just have a list. So if you're trying to figure out first this, then that, um, it's less about having the quote right priorities and just having some. Yeah. So I like to do the hard thing first because then it feels like a downhill slide. Some people like to work up to the hard thing by having like little wins. They like to do a handful of easy tasks to kind of get warmed up before they tackle something big and hard. There's no quote right way to do it. It's just, having a way that works for you and being willing to like keep practicing until it feels better. So, you know, stuff that you tend to avoid or put off, finding a way that works for you because we all have them, right? Mm -hmm. We all have stuff we don't want to do and yet it must be done. So yeah. what are the ways that we work through our own resistance? and create habits, and then once it's habituated, it gets easier and easier, right? Yeah. If I send, I hate, hate email. I hate email. I would so much rather pick up the phone and have a conversation. Email to me seems like antiquated. It's like carrier pigeons. Like, I'm gonna send you this email, you're gonna send me another email. Like. I would so much rather have a conversation and get all the way through whatever the topic is than have the emails flying back and forth. They get out of order, it's asynchronous. The way I've learned to deal with email is I do it first thing in the morning. Mm. I address whatever communication needs to be handled by email as much as I can straight out of the gate. Mm. And then I don't have to worry about it and put it off. And I don't really look at it again until the next day. Mm. Um, because I know I hate it, and the energy that I waste avoiding my email is energy that could be used for a lot of other things. That's good stuff right there. All right. No fear of failure. We're not afraid of failure. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Soul Blazers podcast. Kara and Amanda, your Soul Blazing Big Sisters, are just laying the foundation for all of the amazing things to come. If you want to stay up to date on new episodes, be notified of any discounts, or get a glimpse of what we are working on behind the scenes, go to soulblazers.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, Soul Blazers.